This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. question. Have you watched Bridgerton? I'm going to guess that you you probably have, or you at least know what I'm talking about. I'm one of those people that binge watched it on Boxing Day and I haven't stopped listening to the soundtrack ever since. So I'm a massive Bridgerton fan. And if you are too, then today's guest is for you. Lizzie Talbot is the intimacy coordinator of Bridgerton. So all those steamy sex scenes that leave you wanting more, that's Lizzie's doing. And we really get into the choreography, creating a safe space and, and the lead up to shooting it's like she had a six week rehearsal period with the actors before they even called action i really hope you love this episode i am just so grateful that she jumped on zoom we recorded this um literally this is friday night as i record this intro for you and we're speeding it up so that you're going to get it first thing monday morning i hope you love this episode i'm nerding out right now i'm a massive bridgerton fan enjoy this episode lizzie is unreal Okay, Lizzie Talbot, I am so pumped to have you on this podcast. I feel like I've Insta-stalked you and DM'd you for a few weeks. I mean, like, <laughs> you've got to make this happen. So thank you, first of all, so much for jumping on the pod today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're in London and I'm in, do you know Byron Bay in Australia? Yeah. I'm in Byron Bay, so it's like 30 degrees. It's really hot today and... The sun's going down for me and coming up for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been up for a little while now. Um, But it is not, I promise you, it's not 36 degrees here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I am am one of the people that binge-watched Bridgerton on Boxing Day and within two days it was watched and consumed and then (laughs) I was one of those people that listened to the soundtrack on repeat. So uh, we've got to talk your um, wonderful role in Bridgerton. But before that, I want to hear your story because I think it's really, really fascinating. So you're an intimacy coordinator. Can you, first of all, can you take me through what that actually involves? Yeah, for sure. So intimacy coordination, one of the ways to think about it is to think that it is um, like fights like a stunt coordinator, but we focus on intimacy. So we sort of split the role up into three sections. You've got the advocacy part and you've got the sort of collaboration with departments. And then you've got really at the heart of it, which is the choreography section. So that's really how sort of the role is divided. That's how I spend like my time when I'm working on a project. And is it true that your background is almost like fight choreography and combat? Mm-hmm. And is yeah. it, so is that your background? And then did you see that there was kind of this gap where you're like, oh, hang on a sec, this thing that needs to exist doesn't exist? Yeah, so when you're working in the fight world, there's a lot of like protocols, there's a lot of um, sort of like safety uh, considerations that need to be made when you're choreographing fight work. And so when you think about the fact that like we were often 
involved in scenes like domestic violence and the violent side would be you know completely fine with us we would be able to choreograph that no problem but when it came to like the intimacy section there was often you know like actors were resting like on the good graces of their scene partner a lot of the time mm. and that was incredibly like problematic as we've seen um and just the fact that there were no protocols really made it difficult um for there to be any sort of consistency and safety involved in that so when i started sort of comparing the two i realized that yes there was this like big gap as you said and one of the ways to sort of combat that was to start like researching and um I sort of like sent a couple of posts out to people and sort of said, you know, uh, how your scenes with intimacy and sort of that started to snowball. And um, I got in touch with a lady from America called Tonya Cena yeah. and uh, it sort of went from there. And that was 2015. This, so this is the thing that blows my mind. Having listened to a few podcasts with you now and watched some interviews with you, my mind is like, how did this not exist sooner? Like, it seems like it's such an integral part of any creative process, whether it be stage or screen. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. I guess one of the reasons is is that because like lots of people experience intimacy in their personal life, I think it gives them like the the concept that they can either perform or direct or create it for an audience. And they're two very different things. Um, but people don't have the same mindset when it comes to fight because, you know, not everyone's like in yeah. a fight every Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so like, the, the, you know, like it's easy to have um, like that separation between them at that point. Totally. I'm so fascinated to hear um, about your personal journey as well because I heard, I think I heard on a, a different podcast that you were 18 years old when you had your own scene and it was, um, mm -hmm. it involved you kiss, having to kiss a boy in a corridor and there was no real, oh, you yeah. just kind of like set free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can you tell yeah. me a bit about that? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I was, I was quite, I was obviously quite, quite young at the time. Um, and we were doing a show and yeah, the director was just like, okay, so now it's the kissing scene, but, um, you know, like we're, we're going to move on to something else. Can you just go out into the corridor and, you know, like just do some kissing and then like, just bring it back and we'll see. And so I just remember standing in this corridor with this guy um, and I, we just sort of stood opposite each other, like really awkwardly being like, okay. Um, so, and, and like we were just figuring it out ourselves and it was so horribly awkward. Um, it wasn't like, I didn't, it wasn't like dangerous, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew him, uh, he knew me, we were friends. Um, it was just more horribly awkward than anything. And, you know, I'm sure it didn't look good. And I'll put yeah. so much money on the fact that, like, that scene probably looked horrendous. And it's just that sort of, like, lack of direction because there's the assumption that we do it in our private lives so we should be able to perform it with um, anyone that we are not physically intimate with. Totally. And, and, so, I, I, and I think as well, like, because uh, some people probably aren't, I don't know, like I've heard you describe that like some people kind of dart around words and conversation yeah. and, and you, and you know, yeah. and it's just like call it out, say what you mean, let's get really clear. And it mm -hmm. seems like your role as well has a lot to do with real clear communication with everybody. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, 
I've I've been in the rooms where either directors or actors or you know whoever it is they just don't want to talk about it I've seen them mime it (laughs) I've seen them sort of like you know get really like stressed and then leave the room when talking about it and so it's really that thing of like like you say you know call it out say what it is and and just have clarity because you know Clarity means that you're able to um, all be on the same page. We've not got someone thinking that it's one thing and another person thinking that it's something else and then they clash and then it's horribly awkward for both parties. You know, you want to be able to have that, um, you know, like a a pathway towards, you know, the resulting scene um, that's really effective and dynamic and ultimately tells the story. Can you, uh, speaking of this, like, clarity and this, um, yeah, effective way of telling the story, can you explain what um, closed set procedures means? Because it sounds like that really protects the actors and kind of makes them feel quite safe, I imagine, doing intimate scenes. Yeah, so when you're shooting, like, a scene that doesn't involve intimacy, there are so many people around, Um and you've got a lot of people who are like either walking past or um, just sort of like in the vicinity. And so one of the things that helps with closed set is making sure that you've got like just a skeleton crew. So who is, who are the people that are supposed to be there? Who are the people that we cannot do the scene without in terms of crew? Um, making sure that we've got like areas locked off so people aren't walking through unexpectedly and that the cast can really focus on what they're doing without wondering like who else is going to see them is anyone else like snapping photos you know like that sort of thing we want to be really careful um to create an atmosphere that's incredibly comfortable and safe for people like I said, I still can't believe that this, you know what I mean? Hearing you talk about this, I'm like, this should just be the norm now, right? Like I, I, it's so exciting to learn this from you, you know? Like I feel like this will be the norm. If it isn't already, I feel like this is now the norm for sure, right? We're getting there. I will say that it is absolutely not perfect yet. There is still a lot of resistance in some areas. Um, but we are certainly like on the way to... Um, like making permanent change. I don't think we're going away anytime soon. I'll say that. But yeah, oh. there's still enormous resistance to it um, in in various levels. Well, I've I insta stalked you all the way back to your first ever post, and your dog is really really cute. P.S. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I noticed you shared an article, like one of the first articles I saw that you shared, and it was about. Um, it was like a, a lack of intimacy coordinators on sets that they should have been on, like Game of Thrones or Wolf of Wall Street. And this oh, podcast right. is called Fearlessly Failing. And I think, you know, like, yes, the industry has probably failed a little bit at protecting artists, but also the beauty that comes out of that is like people like you who are making a change and changing the way so that those instances don't occur anymore. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's really important to reference, like, a lot of the trauma that we have seen, like, yes, a lot of it was intentional, but a lot of it wasn't. A lot of it just was just because there were no protocols. And so people were sort of, like, making do with the best that they could. Um, You know, like, directors were, like, desperately interested in actor safety, but they just didn't really have sort of, like, any rules or, um, like, regulations to follow with this. Again, it was just sort of, like, 
um, these are my best intentions. But, you know, like you've got that thing of intent versus impact. Um, yeah. They don't necessarily align. Um, and so it's been really cool to sort of see that there has been acceptance in the industry for this. And, you know, part of it is the, the revival of the Me Too movement, which yeah. helped sort of propel us on the way. Because without that, I think that we would still be struggling massively. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I can totally understand that. And I've heard you mention that before and I'm like, it's, it, it's I don't know, I, this is why I'm just so excited to speak to you because I just think, man, like you're paving the way. And I, I, I can see, um, you know, on your website that you've got courses and whatnot. And I'm like, mate, there's going to be drama schools named after Lizzie. You know, like I really feel like you're <laughs> making a change. No, you're making a change that is going to be there for the future of for, for all actors because... And you, and you mentioned the word trauma, like, I mean, if anybody, actor or not, like, imagine being put in a scene where you feel completely compromised but you don't want to say no because you don't want to lose the job. Like, it's a really and, – and, and that trauma might not hit straight away. You might feel bad in six months, even a year's time, you know, and I think, yeah, th- I'm just really excited about what you do and I'm really into mental health and that's why I think, oh, you're just really mm-hmm. looking after – uh, and honouring, yes, the story, but also the artist, so they have a beautiful career and experience as well. Yeah, I mean, we're certainly making a lot more headway into drama schools than we were before. Um, I think, again, with the with the interest that this has picked up, with the fact that it's now commonplace on sort of like, uh, you know, um, TV studios are now using us and then bringing us in. Um, and I think that that sort of, it's interesting because I feel like there's been a little bit of top-down pressure um, on sort of like educational institutions to start talking to students about the work that's going on with intimacy, um, which has been really interesting because I've said this a, a couple of times um, that and it bears repeating that like the theatre industry at the grassroots level was really where this started. Like those were the people that were really like uh, accepting of this work and interested and fired up about it. It was like the amateur dramatics group. It was like the student productions, you know, like those were the people that were turning up to like the workshops in like 2016, like those were the people. Um, And it's, it is really interesting that um, that there's sort of like a a little bit of um, like a slower um, sort of like, growth up the the chain in theater and this you know obviously with the pandemic I think it would be a different story without the pandemic right now I think that there would be a lot more sort of high level acceptance of this work in theater but it it certainly has been slower at the higher end of theater whereas it when sort of tv and film it's been the opposite if there's been a lot more interest from like high level so well, I think you're going to love hearing this. Uh, I study drama school and my theatre teacher was the first person to tell me about intimacy coordinators, 100%. Oh, I learned so at a drama cool. school. And he British trained as well. So you're, it's, you're, it's getting out there and I had no idea and it was because I was doing a Tennessee, Tennessee Williams play and I, it was a domestic mm-hmm. violence scene and he was like, just mm-hmm. so you know, if you were not in school right now and you were in real life, you would probably have an intimacy coordinator literally breaking this down into every touch, every breath, every moment. 
And I've heard you talk about breath as well. Can you speak mm-hmm. to how breath plays a role and and speaking to an actor's breath in, say, an intimate scene? Yeah. So when we work with breathwork, it's so intrinsically connected to our core, to the movement that sort of uh, proceeds from it. So when we're talking about, I mean, breathwork, there is so much. So, for example, you know, one of the first signs of trauma is that people are holding their breath, you know, like um, they stop breathing. And Mm -hmm. so, like, even in sort of the practical side, that's a really interesting uh, piece of information that, Breathwork controls our body so much that when we are in trauma, we start breathing, or we breathe incredibly quickly, like it's that hype, or like deeply, like the hyperventilating. Yeah, and so it has such an impact on um, how we do intimacy scenes, um, in sort of like the practical terms in in that way. But then also in in terms of storytelling, you know, like a catching of the breath really quickly, like a you know. Um, does does so much, you know, for our body because it's actually starting to move sort of like um, like core parts of our body that's being impacted by our breath work. And so when we're doing scenes of like, um, you know, extreme heavy intimacy, like working with breath is absolutely intrinsic to the storytelling. You can't really do it without it. You have to include that in the narrative. Well, right before this, I was like, I've got to watch the Taylor Swift Wildest Dreams montage scene again <laughs> and from Bridgerton. And uh, and the breath, the breath like carried that whole scene, it felt, or that whole montage, because especially when there's those beautiful close-ups on uh, Phoebe's character, Daphne, and, and the use of breath. And I've heard you mention in other podcasts like, um, sometimes it'll be a shot of a neck or something like, and like this little mm-hmm. moment where like her shoe falls off and it's ex- extremely sexy without seeing too much or not right. too much, but like where you're like, oh my goodness, what am I, you know, it's, it, 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 you end up like craving it almost, like craving this love. And I've seen, um, it's really interesting seeing you and the cast do, um, interviews with British TV shows versus American TV shows and and just seeing how the different audiences uh, react and um, talking to my Australian friends, like Aussies are very open about how much they like love Mm -hmm. it, whereas I notice Americans kind of dart around (laughs) certain words and certain moments. But, yeah, I was blown away by breath and I imagine in because you work so closely on Bridgerton, which I really want to get to in a sec, um, breath would have been magic and like you said the way that it has such an impact I teach yoga too so I'm really into breath Uh, Mm -hmm. and and, you know just the way that like either holding inhaling Mm -hmm. exhaling can do different things to your body in any given moment it's incredible Mm -hmm. yeah it's really interesting (laughs) (laughs) no it is really interesting looking at the moments in between because like that's where the real intimacy is Mm. you know the actual act of like penetration moving in moving out um that like that can that's an intimate act but it can also be very disconnected whereas when we're talking about um sort of like like i said the mo- the moments in between um the shot of the neck or the shoe falling off or like you know um a a glance of the hands like very like like barely touching it's almost like that it's that space in between yeah. the physical 
um, like the physical entities at that point. Like yeah. that's the interesting bit. We are oh. waiting for those hands to touch. We are like looking for the um, sort of like dancing hand across the back really slowly sort of like tracing down. Like that's the interesting stuff for me anyway. Um, I completely agree with you. Uh, A thousand percent. Can I ask in an ideal world, when do you jump on, like when do you get involved with the rehearsal process? Um, We prefer like as early as possible really. Um, Time is everything on this. Mm. We want to be in as early as possible so that we can map out everything that we need to. Um, I never want to turn up on the day and be like, okay, we'll just figure it out. Like that's not an option for me. Um, I want ahead of time to know exactly what's going on and, and what we need, quite frankly, because, you know, like if we're dealing with an intimacy scene in water, that's going to be very different from if we're dealing with like, you know, uh, a simulated manual stimulation, uh, you know, on the stairs, you know, like it's completely different. And so I need to have, like preparation time to make sure that everyone is safe, protected, and that we've got time to tell the story. So that we've got time for rehearsals. And I imagine your research is crazy, especially with like period pieces, things that are set in different times, like underwear-wise and, you know, what you'd be <laughs> wearing. Like there's a lot of corsets in there's something that's set in, you know, the time of Bridgerton. But like it, does that all come into play as well when you do your research? Yeah, for sure. We were super lucky on Bridgerton to have Hannah Gregg, who's a historian at the University of York. And we had like lots of great conversations about what Regency intimacy would look like. Um, and one of the things that you like you might not consider is that they didn't really wear underwear in the yeah. same way that we do. It, a lot of it was like crotchless. And of course, the problem is, is that that doesn't translate on screen like if you see two people and they appear to be wearing underwear, everyone's just going to assume that there's some, you know, like essentially dry humping going on as opposed to actual yeah, intercourse. Totally. So that was another complicated thing that we had to work around was that, you know, reality versus, you know, the, the theatricality of it really, um, of making sure that we were clear about when intercourse was happening. So let's talk Bridgerton then because, like I said at the start, binge watched it was blown away by a few things like incredible location costume the intimacy scenes felt so real like they felt so and and um you really felt like uh, you were with I felt like I was with Daphne just because I just felt like she was really discovering who she was throughout the whole story uh but also the soundtrack and the soundtrack during oh. a lot of the intimate scenes. Did you uh, uh, did you know that that was going to be the soundtrack or not at the stage of when you were working on it? I had absolutely oh. no idea what they were going to do with it. And so it was just so interesting because, um, you know, when we were filming it, you know, I didn't really think – too much of it it was sort of like you know oh I hope this goes really well I'm like um we didn't know whether it was going to be classical we didn't know whether it was going to be modern um for example in the balls like they were playing modern music again it's just to get the beat they're all wearing headpiece they're all wearing sort of like earphones um 
so that they can, you know, like dance, they can film it and there's not music in the background, but they're all listening in their earpieces to um, like, like different pieces of music. And so I, we were all discussing, like we really had no idea um, what it was going to be. And so the first time I knew anything about it was when I watched the screeners, like in the, uh, November, I want to say, I think maybe November, very early December. And I got to like episode six and I was like, what are they going to do? What are they? Cause obviously the, you know, like I'd heard that there were sort of covers in the previous episodes and I, and I got to episode six and I was like, is that? <laughs> no, they haven't. Is that wildest tree? <laughs> and it was just, it was just like, what? Choreographing s- simulated sex to wildest dreams by Taylor Swift? What is that? <laughs> that's amazing um yeah it was just it was really it was really cool because of course it was just such a surprise and I messaged um I messaged Chris afterwards who's the um he, he created the soundtrack and I was like what that was amazing thank you so much for doing that uh and he was he was super gracious about it and really excited and um yeah he's had a lot of really great recognition for his work which is so cool I'm just so glad that you that it was like a surprise for you. It was like a little treat, you know, like because often I don't know if you've seen the movie Joker, but the the music mm-hmm. score was written before the scenes were that there's a few dance sequences and the music mm-hmm. score was written beforehand. And it's just interesting to hear it the other way around and how beautifully it works in both scenarios. But I, I like it. I feel like it was like a little surprise for you when you got to see your screener and be like, "Oh my god, it works! It works! It's amazing!" I know, I like yeah, it. and it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just, it was, it was so cool. Yeah, I, I can't really describe it. Just I, because I had to watch them all very quickly because I, I, I had an interview. I think um, in a couple of days about it, and. I was just like, oh, I can talk about it, but I haven't seen what you've cut and what you've kept. And they were like, oh, my gosh, we need to get you screeners so you can see it. So they got it. And, and of course, there's like eight hours in the epi- in the, um, the interview is the next day. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just watch episode six because I know that that's what a lot of questions are going to be about um, so that I'm ready in time for the interview. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll watch episode one and, and then I'll go to episode six. And uh and I binge watched all eight hours in one go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing! <laughs> I couldn't as well. Um, I, <laughs> I love stayed it. Up till like four a.m. watching <laughs> them, so absolutely hooked. And then I had the interview the next day. I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I have to ask about the library scene. Uh, is it true <laughs> that that was Phoebe's first scene of the shoot potentially? Yeah, it was her first day on set, and that was the first scene that we did. Um, I think Reggae had done one a tiny bit earlier in the day, maybe just the scene before. I think he shot something with Jonathan downstairs in sort of like the the boys' club. Yeah. Um, and then we came upstairs to the library. Uh, yeah, it was on our first day, and you know, it was it was really great. We had, we had a great first day. Um, they were all giggling about it and it was it was really fun it went really smoothly it's very cool and is it true that it was in a gentleman's club and it wasn't until like 1981 that women were actually allowed in yeah that felt really cheeky 
Yeah. <laughs> it was just, I, I really like that. You know, we're doing a scene of sexual pleasure in like the Reform Club in London. Um that and like working at heights. So that was yeah, that was really fun. Um and you know, it set the tone for the rest of the season. It was like, oh, this is really what we're creating. Like this is what Shondaland's going for. That's oh. really fun. That's really cool. So on Bridgerton, did you get I think I've read that you had full six weeks with the cast members so you could really, like, work with them while they're working with dance choreographers. And so they're kind of building trust with you. They're building trust and friendship with the other actors. And so there's this real, like, camaraderie even before, you know, action, you know, before cameras are rolling. Um, Is that true? You got about six weeks with the cast beforehand? Yeah, we got quite a while. Um, And... There was just a lot going on at the time. We were working at the Dance Attic Studios in London. And, um, like, it was was summer, so it was actually quite warm during the day. Um, And it's in a very, like, uh, the building that we were in, we were in right at the top floor. And it was about five floors up. Um, And so uh, every, like, whenever we were rehearsing, we were going traipsing all the way to the top of the building, and there's no air conditioning, so it was very, very hot. and the, the windows weren't very large. So we had to do like, oh, I think we had to have a lot of fans up there because it's, it's hot work, you know, it's, it's exhausting. It's, um, there's a lot of like physical exertion that is going into these scenes. Um, but it was really good to sort of like get to know them and, you know, feel comfortable with them and map out nearly all of the scenes before we, before we got to uh, set, you know, like we were, we had gone through, um, every scene in like episode six was mapped out for us mm. beforehand and getting time to spend with the Jonathan and Sabrina was really great as well. Cause obviously they've got an intense sexual journey too together, yeah. which was really interesting to work with, uh, to like to film that too. And when you're saying, um, every, every part was mapped out, are we talking like each single touch, like down to that minute extra, not extreme, but like that level of m- choreography yeah I mean it's sort of varied depending on the scene um it's really important that they still have sort of like room to breathe so I want to sort of get away from like entirely sort of painting by numbers because I think that that can feel very restrictive to some actors sometimes but it's important to have like a mapping out of the scene people know what's going to happen and at what point um, and so, yeah, we had certainly mapped out nearly all of the, yeah, nearly all of the intimacy scenes, uh, by that point. Um, and of course, like, you know, they were rewrites and edits and, uh, you know, we mapped out scenes that you didn't get to see. Uh, so, so there was that, um, because there were so many scenes that, um, were like either cut or we didn't have time for, or mm-hmm. that were a snapshot of a much longer sequence yes. um so yeah it's always interesting to see what happens in the edit yeah. and so you had the six weeks in the lead up and then according to your my insta stalk of you the shoot was about eight months or so yeah so we started filming in july and we finished like right at the end right before covid hit we were incredibly lucky to finish oh, how fortuitous uh, and so you're on set every pretty much every day because there's 
obviously so much um, there's a lot of intimacy in the show. So you're on set and you're that person when there's a closed set, it's probably you, camera, director, and it's quite small, but you're all hands on deck. Like it would have been pretty grueling and huge long hours for you as well, right? Yeah. So I wasn't on set every day because obviously like there is so much in Bridgerton that isn't intimacy as well. Um, And of course, if there's no intimacy, there's really no need for for me to be there. And I work across like several other projects at the same time. Yeah. Um, And so, but when we were there, we were there, there were long days and there were a lot of night shoots. Um, Mm. I know that we only saw a few scenes in the dark, but we did do um, like, a lot of work with uh, Simon and his backstory of like ex- ex- like extensive sexual experience, shall we say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. with with like other women um, that we didn't get to see in the show, but was certainly explored. Um, and so there was a lot of work done at night, and of course, like that can be incredibly grueling. That's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the actors did so well to sort of like maintain focus and flipping from like the day shoots to, to nights is that's a tough one, especially in summer when like the hours for like are you know a l- lot longer. Of course. Um, and so when you're trying to sleep during the day, like that's quite hard because you know it's such it's often really lovely weather outside. Of course, you know, as mm-hmm. here in Australia, we get so much sunshine, and I and I've lived in the UK once, and I was like, oh my goodness, the sun doesn't come out quite as well, as much as we're used to in Australia. <laughs> uh, do you have like a moment? Do you remember like one specific moment? It might be a little moment, but on set where you're like, oh, you know, when you get that feeling in your heart, like you're in total flow, and time stops because you're just in it. I'm sure you got it quite a bit. Was but was there something that was like your favorite? Yeah, there was, you know, like there was a couple of, of like moments that really stand out. Um, in the first episode, they're all going to the ball and there is fireworks and they are um, like being rowed across the lake. So I was actually there for that scene because we were filming um, right next to it. We were filming at the Dark Walk, which is sort of like the Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens, yeah. which were really, really close to where they were shooting that. And so, um in one of the breaks like I got to just stand out there and um Jack Murphy who's the choreographer um who's doing sort of all the all the ball choreography um was standing on that sort of like wooden platform stage and he had all of his dancers around and there was they all had their um earpieces in and they were just sort of like starting to, to sort of warm up and then they were about to to shoot it and it was just the most incredible thing watching mm. in the dark with the fireworks in total silence while these I mean there must have been I don't know 30 maybe more than that dancers dancing in complete unison with no sound mm. um like in the middle of the night it was just gorgeous to watch it was just absolutely incredible so that was just like a really that was the moment when I was like, oh, this, this might be a really big show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then another, another moment that I have in my head was uh, I was rehearsing with Johnny and Sabrina in uh, Bright- Brighton, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, 
we were actually doing the the last scene. So it's a scene for episode eight where they meet under the rafters in the boxing, um, yeah. for the boxing match. Yeah. And um, we were obviously at, at that point, he's sort of leaning back. He's, he's got her picked up and she's sort of straddling him. And we did that in the hotel room. Um, we were rehearsing and I think Sabrina slipped at one point and she sort of like just slipped down like a, <laughs> like a fireman's pole. And I mean, like we just absolutely dissolved at that point. I mean, they're already incredibly fun to work with. They are clearly uh. like just such great friends generally. And it was just one of those moments, you know, when like we'd sort of like, you know, tried to get on top of it and keep the scene moving forward. And, you know, like there had been a lot of fun. And at that point it was just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so we good. might not get anything done for like 10 minutes because we need to like recover because, <laughs> you know, it's just that moment when you just like can't stop laughing. And I had filmed it as well so that they could see it. And uh. there was a lot of replays of that. Uh, and that's one thing about because there's a few behind the scenes uh, videos on YouTube. Everyone seems to be great mates. Like the energy on set feels really light and joyful. Obviously hardworking, but there is a feeling like everyone that's there really wants to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, we. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's a cast that are all sort of like of a similar age, um, and it's it's really easy to sort of like make those, those bonds and those connections. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just always just a lot of fun. Like, you know, on every scene that we were going into in like, there would be lightness, there would be yeah. someone who's like cracking a joke. I mean, like, cause also, you know, we're working with like feathers and wigs yeah. and, you know, ex extensive costume and like there'll be horses in the background or, you know, like we'd be working in a castle. And so there was a lot of times where we were just sort of like standing and just like share a moment of like, wow, <laughs> this is so fun. I'm, I'm sure this this is my last. I can't believe how fast this has gone, by the way. Uh, I could talk to you all day. Uh, how has this show particularly changed your world? Because I feel like, I mean, it's how I discovered you and then stalked you on Instagram, but uh, how has it changed? Because I think it's wonderful because it's making intimacy coordinators so... It feels like there's a really there's a huge spotlight on you right now, and I just think what a great opportunity to just educate people because I'm learning off you, and the listeners of this podcast and every show that you get interviewed on are going to be learning from you. Uh, how has it kind of changed your world? I mean, it it's certainly like just miles away from where I was. I mean, when I think about it. I did a workshop in 2016 and like one person turned up and uh, like that's where this world was. And yeah. at the, at that point, I never ever considered that it would be one, a, like a job to a job that like people would take seriously. Um, and three, that sort of like anyone would be interested in learning like more about it in terms of like the wider world. Um, I was like, oh, you know, I might be able to get actors, you know, on board. You know, maybe the, you know, the, the art director. Um, but in terms of like numbers, I never ever thought that this would be something that as many people are talking about as as now. And like, I certainly wouldn't have like done this or, or got where I was without like a really good support within the community of intimacy coordinators. 
um, it's been like a real like pleasure to have met like lots of other people who are doing this work and who have you know supported me on days that I'm just like whoa you know I've got a scene coming up and you know we're not sure how to do this I you know I've got something going on here and you know have you had any experience on this and like we'll do that for each other which is really really cool and really helpful mm. um and and I think it's it's really interesting for me that like Bridgerton's taken off because there have been like you know shows with other intimacy coordinators on before um but I, I wonder if it's just the scope of Netflix and the fact that you know it's quite available all over the world whereas sort of like you know individual channels like British channels might not make it to you know Australia or you know American channels might not see like such popularity in the UK but the differences with Netflix is just that everything's going out at exactly the same time yeah. to everyone in the world. So it's yeah. got, you know, such a global reach. Um, it's incredible, so yeah, dude. It's incredible. It's really interesting. I'm so <laughs> excited for you. Uh, I, on your website I saw that there's courses. How if people mm-hmm. are like, okay, this is my jam, this is what I want, I want to get into doing it, like, um, or want to learn more about you, what's the best way um, people can kind of soak up more of what you do? Yeah, I would say certainly like do do research on it, have a look at it. Um, I would recommend the courses because I think they're a really good way of like working out, is this for me? Because one of the things is, is that not a lot of people get to see what we do because obviously we work in closed sets. So there's a lot of like um, perception about what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, uh, CNN actually did a, a really good article and one of the titles was, you know, it's not as sexy as you think. And that is absolutely yes. true. I think I that there that is article. like the perception. Yeah, yeah, there's certainly the perception out there that what we do is like incredibly glamorous and incredibly sexy. And I can absolutely guarantee you that like neither of those things are true. (laughs) And so if you really love paperwork, if you love spreadsheets, um, like (laughs) this is also something for you because like there is a huge amount of paperwork involved. Um, We have to work really closely with like um, any lawyers that we're working on with the production because of nudity writers. So it's not just like get in a Roman choreograph. There's so much more that comes with it. And I think that like a course is a really good way to have a very honest um, and comprehensive understanding of like literally like day-to-day stuff that we do. Um, and to see if that like that's still interesting for you. You know what I mean? Because I think yeah. sometimes you hear of a job title and it's just like, oh, that sounds great. And then you like delve into it and you're like, hmm, hang on. <laughs> so um I think courses are, are such a good way because then you get to uh, often speak one-on-one with people who are, who are doing the work and just like, you know, jumping into any new career, you yes, know, it's really totally. good to like do all of the research beforehand. You know, if you're going to go off and be a stunt coordinator, there's a huge amount that comes with that. And it's the same with intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so definitely like doing the courses, doing the research, um, checking out what actors are saying about it, checking out what directors are saying about it. Um, you know, yeah, I think that that's probably like the the, the best way of going about it. Yeah, and I'll put all your details in my show notes as well. So your website's got Thank some you. great information. I've seen there's some, it looks like there's some courses coming up in February. So um, I'll put all of that in the show notes so people can yeah. find it. And I'll put your Insta handle as well. So because uh, I learned so much just by having a radio website and doing a little bit of digging. So mm-hmm. 
Lizzie, I cannot thank you enough for jumping on this podcast. And to you, I, you're probably like, who is this weird Aussie girl asking me to come on her podcast? So I cannot thank you yes. enough. You've really made my day. And we're so excited that we're actually speeding this podcast to um, up so that it'll come out first thing Monday morning. So That's wild. Just thank for you, you so my much. friend. That's super cool. That's we're so, so nice. excited. <laughs> Yeah, the the support has just been just like really overwhelming. Um, especially down under, I did a an interview for the Edge uh, a couple of days ago yeah. in New yeah. Zealand, and you know it's just been so cool to to see like the the support. You know, like, there's there's intimacy coordinators in Australia working right now, and there's uh, intimacy coordinators in New Zealand, and so it's oh. really cool. Like there is such a global reach, and uh, I'm really oh. excited for them. Well, thank you so much for spreading this word because, yeah, you've really inspired me and I've learnt loads from listening to you. So, Lizzie Talbot, I cannot wait to see what comes next for you, my friend, and um, I'm absolutely honoured to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time that you've given me. Thank you. Holy mackerel. I've just got off a Zoom with Lizzie Talbot. She's incredible. Matt and I are like, how epic was that? So just for context, when Bridgerton came out, Boss and I binge watched it all on Boxing Day. I think it took us a couple of days and we were just like, the soundtrack, the set, the costumes, the sex, everything was unreal and to get the intimacy coordinator on the pod is a pinch me moment so exciting to hear and celebrate creative so big thank you lizzie for jumping on the show and yeah i just had to do a little a little outro because it was so exciting and it's like 10 p.m at night here on friday we're bringing this out first thing monday because we're just so pumped to have this podcast we're both matt and i real Bridgerton fan so yeah super pumped super geeking out over here and big big thank you to Lizzie Talbot you're a legend